Hi, and welcome to this week's edition of the Ocean View Podcast. No matter where you're at in our country or around the world, we thank you so much for taking the time to listen. Now sit back and enjoy this week's message. If you're just visiting with us today, today is a, a unique Sunday. Uh, it's uh, in the church world. We call it a, a day of communion, and it's an opportunity for us as a church to come together. And we do this periodically here at our church, uh, just every few months or so. And we, it's something that the church can do together, um, and it's something that's very significant to Christians. And if you're visiting with us, and maybe, you, maybe you're here for the very first time, and it's I, like I said, it's a little different of a Sunday. But I remember growing up in a church, and um, we would have communion or Lord's Supper. Uh, on, a, on a very, very frequent basis. And um, I got to be honest with you, when I, when I used to be a part of that and, and I would go, it, it really became a, a tradition for me. It really became a, a, a part of the service and um, something that when we came, we, we would participate in. But after a while, it was just something that uh, just happened. It was something that happened during the service and, and we did and we participated and you didn't think twice about it a little bit later. And I remember growing up as an adult thinking to myself, you know, um, is, is that what Christ would call us to do? Would he, would he call us to just uh, have it as something that we do? Or is there something significant? Is there something special? Is there something that ties in? Um, in other words, when I walk into a, a room as a Christian and we're about to celebrate communion, is there, is there something powerful about that? Um, that has the opportunity and the power to change my life. And so I started doing some research and diving in. And if you've been a part of our church for some time, um, I've really taken these Sundays to try to unpack what is communion and why should we celebrate it and why is it important and why is it impactful. Uh, so if you're, if you're not a Christian, I, I pray that you learn uh, something today about why we celebrate communion. But if you are a Christian, I hope it changes the way that you walk into a room and when you see that we're celebrating communion, rather than it be, oh, that's something that we do periodically, that it be something you really look forward to as if God is about to do something in your life. Now, in order to set this up, um, there is a tie-in with uh, communion. Obviously, most Christians would know, and if you don't, I'll, I'll tell you, um, it ties back to the Last Supper. It ties back to a time when Jesus was with his disciples, and around that table, he foretold about his death, and he used a couple of symbols, bread and wine, to be able to show the kind of sacrifice that he was going to do for you and for me, for for the rest of our lives and how that will impact our eternal destination. But there is a far deeper impact to this. And Bible study students know this a little bit better. Um, But if you've never read the book of Exodus, you've never really read about Moses, um, there's a guy by the name of Moses and God's people were trapped. They were enslaved. They were in, in Egypt and they were being abused. They were being taken advantage of and they would cry out to God all the time. And during this time, God was going to deliver his people from bondage. And if you didn't know this, the Last Supper actually ties directly back to a time when the Israelites were in Egypt. So type A personalities, here's what we're going to do. I'm going to unpack a little bit of that Exodus story so that you can really, really begin to embrace what God's people were going through. But then you can begin to see in just a moment when we come back to Jesus and the Last Supper, you can see the tie-in between the two. But most importantly, I'm a practical guy. What does that have to do with me, God? What does that have to speak to my heart? What does that mean specifically this morning as I'm sitting here today? And why is communion so special? So if you have your Bibles, we're going to jump to Exodus chapter 12, verse 1. Or you can follow along on the screen, your iPads, your iPhones, whatever you have. Here we go. It says this. While God's people, the Israelites, were still in the land 
of Egypt. So let me unpack this. The Israelites are in Egypt. They're in bondage. And all of a sudden, Moses and Aaron, they're speaking to Pharaoh. And and the story goes, if you've watched movies, and they basically said, look, God wants his people to be free. And Pharaoh at the time would say, no, 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 not going to do it, not going to do it, not going to do it. A series of plagues come and fall in the land of Egypt. You know the story. And every time a plague would come, Pharaoh would harden his heart. And he would say, nope, not going to let him go, not going to let him go. And this comes all the way to the last plague that is going to be sent. And it is a plague in which all the firstborn of livestock of human beings in the land of Egypt are going to be killed. And it gets all the way to that point. And all of a sudden, God is going to speak to the Israelites and let them know that this is going to happen. And he's going to give them some very clear instructions. But I love scripture. And if you look at that scripture specific, it says, while the Israelites were still in the land of Egypt. And I sat at my desk and I said, you know, God, um, sometimes the most basic of passages can speak loudest. And I, I focused on that word still and that word Egypt, because the truth is, is that what did that mean for your Israelites? The Israelites sat there, they watched God do amazing things, but they were still in bondage. God was moving all around them, but they were still in trouble. In fact, if you Bible study students, you know this, that as the plagues were going on and as that time period went on, it got harder and harder and harder for the Israelites. So here they're seeing God move and do amazing things. And meanwhile, the next morning they're waking up and they're getting abused more. They're getting taken advantage of more. And so they're still in the land of Egypt and they want to believe that they can be delivered, but everything around them is pointing to the negative. Maybe you're here today and maybe you're in the land of Egypt. Maybe you're sitting here today and you're, you're in church and you say you're singing songs and you want from the bottom of your heart to say, God is good, he's great, but all around you life is getting harder and you still feel like you're in the land of Egypt. Let me illustrate this one other way. I remember years and years and years ago, I was living in South Florida and the uh, University of Miami was having a scrimmage game and they were playing at the Orange Bowl. And so uh, my, my girlfriend at the time, who later became my wife, and is still my wife, um, she said, hey, our friend is, got selected to be a Miami Hurricanes cheerleader. We need to go down to this scrimmage game and we need to go cheer her on. And I remember saying, oh, that's great. What time's the game? Oh, it's at one o'clock. Now, here, that doesn't mean anything. In South Florida, in the middle of August at one o'clock p.m. on metal bleachers, your finger will melt off your hand. So I remember saying, really? Oh, one o'clock? Oh my goodness, there's no shade. This is going to be awful, but we're, we're going to go ahead and do this. Jesus is great. Amen. So we went ahead and got in the car. We drove down to the, to the stadium. If you've ever been down to Miami in the Orange Bowl, um, parking is a little weird there. Um, you go and you see signs, people who have houses, and they say, you know, like park here on our lawn. And so people are pulling up on, on sidewalks and they're parking in, in driveways. And, and so then I went ahead and said, no, let's go to the stadium. It's a scrimmage game. There's not a lot of people. So we pull up and then there's this 15-foot cube of gate, like they have this fence structure and people are pulling in there to park. And so I asked the guys like, hey, why do we have to park in here? He says, do you want your car to be here? I go, yes, then you need to park in these gates. I'm like, oh, that kind of neighborhood. Okay, great. So we went in and we pulled our car in. And, and so the guy flags us over and he, and, he, and he lines us up and I go, hey, I said, we're not staying for the whole game. So I want to make sure that I can get out. These gates are going to be able to be open so I can leave. Right. And he goes, oh yes. He goes, but it's going to cost you $5 more. I go, what? wait, I'm watching less of a game and I have to pay $5 more? He goes, yes. He says, if you don't want to be blocked in, then you pay more money and then you can be the first out. I go, 
fine. So I pay the guy $5. We go into the game. We watch. Um, literally, people are melting. It's, it's just sweat is everywhere. We watch our friend cheerlead. We said, yay, great. And then we say, hey, we got to run. And she's no problem. So after the first quarter, we start walking to the fenced-in structure. The guy is there at the gate. And he opens the gate. I'm like, okay, good. Walk up to my car, and there's three cars blocking my car in. I look at it, I go, hey, I paid you $5 extra. He goes, oh, which one's yours? I'm like, this one. He goes, oh. And when he started scratching his head, I knew I had a problem. So he gets on the radio, he calls three other people, and everyone, I kid you not, it was, a, it was a comedy scene. You got three people with radios all standing and looking at the same situation. And I'm like, I can tell you what's wrong. You got three people blocking me, and I'm not going anywhere, am I? And he's like, well, no. He's like, How, do you have to leave today? And I go, yes, I have to leave today. And uh, so he says, oh, he says, well, he says, you're going to have to wait until the other people come. So I'm like, oh, my goodness. So I'm sitting there. It's hot. We get in the car. I'm sitting in a car blocked in. And true story, and not that this matters anything, but we get to the end of the game. The end of the game finally comes, and the first car comes, and they move their car. I'm like, okay, we only got two more to go. The next guy comes, gets in his car. He leaves. Okay, good. We're almost out of this. We're almost out of this mess. 25 minutes later, finally the last Yahoo, God forgive me, comes over, gets in his car, and finally takes off. I'm like, what are you doing? Are you signing autographs or something? So he finally leaves. It was a fiasco because we couldn't go back to the game because once you leave the game, you're stuck. So here's the point. I was miserable. I had nowhere to go. I was stuck. You want to talk about the land of Egypt? I was in it. It was miserable. But sometimes when we're in the land of Egypt... All we can see are the things around us. All we can see is the hopelessness. I mean, I, I, I could, kid you not, I took the Christian bumper sticker off my car because I wanted at someone. And it, it, you are laughing way too much. You've done this before. That was just a joke. I mean, come on now, people. But here's the point. All of us have been in the land of Egypt. And God knows that his people sometimes are in the land of Egypt. And so if you're if paying really close attention, I want you to see what God does for the people that are still in the land of Egypt. He gave very, very clear instructions to the people. And this is the thing that if you're not a Christian very long, you kind of get freaked out. Um, But here's what God's going to do. And it symbolizes something later. He tells the Israelites here, I want you to pick a perfect, unblemished sheep or goat. And you're going to sacrifice that goat. And it's going to symbolize something. This comes from Exodus 12.5. The animal you select must be a one-year-old male, either a sheep or a goat with no defects. A perfect, perfect, perfect sheep or goat. Now, some of you say, well, Terry, what does that signify? Signifies a couple things. Obviously, first, it signifies the sacrifice that Jesus was going to make. If you know Jesus Christ, you know that he lived a sinless life and he was perfect. And so that signifies that. But here's the other thing it signifies. I I want you to pay really close attention is a, a perfect sheep or goat was valuable to Israelites. It was very valuable. And so if you were an individual and you honored and followed what God said and you chose the best of the best that you have in order to sacrifice it and give it away to God, it signified, God, I trust you, God, I believe you, and I'm willing to go ahead and freely give something great, a true sacrifice for you because I trust you. And so here they take this perfect sheep or goat and then... God says this, they are to take some of the blood and they're to smear it on the sides and the top of the door frames of the houses where they eat the animal. Now, every year, most of us, we see our Jewish friends celebrate what they call Passover. And a lot of us know what that signifies. It signifies back to this event, 
But if you didn't know, the Passover is very simple, that the Israelites were called to take the blood of the unblemished lamb to paint their door frames with that blood. And here's what it signifies. It signifies that that night, the night where the firstborn are going to die in the land of Egypt, that God would stay his hand because he would pass over the homes in which it signified the sacrifice. It signified the perfect sheep and it covered the home and it protected the home. See this in Exodus 12, 13, but the blood on your doorpost will serve as a sign marking the houses where you're staying. When I see the blood, I will pass over you. This plague of death will not touch you when I strike the land of Egypt. If you're a Bible study student, you should highlight this sentence. This plague of death will not touch you when I strike the land of Egypt. Because of the blood of the perfect sheep or land on your doorpost, this plague of death will not touch your home because God will pass over your home. Our Jewish friends celebrate that every single year to signify their deliverance from bondage, from death in Egypt. We as believers in Jesus Christ, we celebrate something far different but it ties directly back to this event. Now, if you've slept for the last seven minutes, wake up because this one passage of scripture I saw for the very first time and I circled it, highlighted it because it's very, very important to me. Because Jesus Christ came to a table as we prepare to celebrate communion and he sat with his disciples. And we all know the story and we're gonna share it in just a second. But one of the things that he did is he said something very unique and it's something that means a lot to me. Because I have to believe if I was Jesus Christ and during that time and I knew that I was about to be beaten to an inch of my life and then I was to be put on a cross and spikes were to be driven into my feet and into my wrists and I was to suffocate an amazing death all because, not because I'm guilty, but because I love my people so much and I'm willingly giving my life. If that was me, I'd be freaked out. I'd be nervous. I would say, you know, God, can we postpone this? God, I need some time. God, you know, hey, maybe we can postpone it another month or two. But you got to understand something. During the time period that this happened was Passover. If you ever thought God has a plan, he has a very unique plan because the time of Passover had come and Jesus sat at a table at the time of Passover to symbolize exactly what happened so long ago and he was about to become that sacrificial lamb. And I want you to see what Jesus Christ said to the disciples as this was going on. Jesus said, I have been very eager to eat this Passover meal with you before my suffering begins. And I sat back and I said, Jesus, there are times when I feel like I'm in bondage. There are times when I feel like the walls are closing in. There are times when life is not good for me. And sometimes I feel you're far away and sometimes I feel you're not paying attention. Sometimes when I'm waiting for an answer and I just, God, I need you, God, I need you. I feel as if you're on vacation in Tahiti and and you're, you're just not paying attention. When the truth of the matter is, is Jesus is there with us at every step. And in fact, not only is Jesus there with every Christian, because if you're a believer in Christ and you accept him as Lord and Savior, his Holy Spirit rests inside of you. His Holy Spirit speaks to you. God in you is there at all times. So while we think he's far away, he's actually right there. And so when we're still in Egypt and when we're in bondage and when we think that there's no hope, he's hope. In fact, if you're taking notes, write this down. If you're stuck, there's hope. 
If you're in a place you don't want to be, there's hope. If you're in misery, despair, or pain, there is hope. If you're trapped, there is hope. If you have no hope or future, there is hope. And the reason why there's hope is because Jesus Christ is eager to be there with you. I don't know about you, but if I am ever in bondage or if I'm ever feeling like I have despair, the one person that I'm going to call on better be Jesus because he's hope. In fact, scripturally, biblically, some of you know this, Jesus is the hope of glory, which is what? Christ in us. And so today, as we're about to celebrate, when I come into this room for communion, it's a reminder, Terry, I am eager to be there with you. I am eager to be in every kind of despair that you could have. I am eager to show you the door out. I am eager to let you know that this plague of death will not touch you because my hand will pass over because my blood covers you. And so the question for all of us, if you came in this morning and you feel as if God's a faraway God and he doesn't care, This communion is meant to draw you back to the truth. And we celebrate the truth that he is in us and that he will never, never allow the plague of death to reach us. We're going to do things differently if you've been here for a while. We're actually going to talk a little bit more, but what we want to do right now is we're going to go ahead and our servant leaders in just a moment are going to come and they're going to take some elements. If you've never been in church before, you're going to have some discs, I like to call them, passed in front of you. And they're going to have elements. They're going to have some juice and a cracker there. And I want to encourage you to grab a cracker and grab some juice if you're a believer in Jesus Christ and you want to participate with us in communion. If you're not a believer in Christ, you don't have to participate. I would never, ever, ever want you to participate in something that you don't feel comfortable with. But this is a family meal for Christians, remembering what Christ did for us. And so I'm going to ask you to take those elements. And as you have those elements, I'm going to ask you to sit with those. And at the end of everybody being served, we're going to come back together and I'm going to show you just a couple of things before we receive communion together. Heavenly Father, I thank you so much for this time. God, where two or more are gathered, you are present. And God, I have to imagine in my heart that you are eager to be a part of this meal with us. A reminder of who you are, a reminder of what you've done, and a reminder of the hope that we have in you. God bless this moment, we pray in Jesus' name. Oh, the blood, crimson love, price of life's demand, shameful sin placed on him, the hope of Son, holy one, slave.
got around the tables with his disciples. And the first thing that he did is he was going to grab a symbol, which is that of bread. And as Jesus took that bread, he broke that bread and he gave it and handed it out to his disciples. In fact, in Luke twenty-two nineteen, it says this, he took some bread, gave thanks for God for it. And then he broke it into pieces. He gave it to the disciples saying, this is my body, which is given for you. Do this in remembrance 
of me. And it's a reminder to all of us that Terry, no matter what you go through, no matter what difficulty, no matter where you think there is no hope, there is bondage or you're stuck, remember that I am going to allow things to happen to me that are far greater than what you'll ever go through. And because I live in you, you can and will make it through everything because I am with you. Heavenly Father, we receive this bread, a symbol a symbol of what you are willing to sacrifice for me. Father, I thank you that in this room, that as we receive this element, Lord, it's a reminder truly that you freely gave your life, that you were not a lamb that came unwillingly to death, that you were a sacrificial lamb, that you freely gave your life as if to say, Terry, I am eager to die on your behalf. I am eager for this sacrifice for you. So Father, as we receive this element, we remember the willing sacrifice that you gave to us in every situation. In Jesus' name, amen. Jesus then took the cup and after supper in Luke twenty-two twenty, he took another cup of wine and said, this is the cup of the new covenant between God and his people, an agreement confirmed with my blood, which is poured out as a sacrifice for you. you know the amazing thing about this is thousands of years ago there was blood that was poured over a door frame and Jesus shed his blood and it's poured over us. That when the plague of death comes, when despair comes, it can't touch you. Yesterday I was in Target and I was coming out and I was with my son and something dropped or happened and it was we were walking toward the street and we both turned And I can't explain what it was, but in my heart of hearts, I knew that my son was going to keep walking into the street, distracted. And only as a father can do, knowing that, before he even knew he was coming, Connor, stop. And he stopped and a car was whizzing right by. And I remember walking and thinking to myself, God, thank you for the heart and the mind of a father that saw the situation happening before it could even happen. And that's what God's blood does for us is he knows everything you're going through. He knows exactly what you're going to walk through. And he shed his blood as if to say, I am always going to be there and I will not allow the plague of death to touch you because you will be with me in eternity. Heavenly Father, thank you for this cup. This cup which represents so much more than just juice or wine. It represents your sacrificial blood, the blood of the new covenant, the covenant that says that we are your children and we will be in eternity with you forever. There will be no more still in the land of Egypt. There will be no more bondage, no more pain because we will be in perfection in eternity with you. Thank you for the sacrificial Passover represented in this cup. And we love you and praise you in Jesus' name. One last thing I would share with you. Again, saw for the very first time. Many of us know the term unleavened bread. And when we receive the bread, it's usually unleavened bread. And I'm sure a lot of Christians, and you always wonder, why is it unleavened? Why, why, why is it a specific kind of bread? And it all goes back to the Passover. Because you see, during that time, God knew that his people were going to have to leave immediately. And they were going to be freed of Egypt, that when the Passover happened, when that time happened, that the next day, the Egyptians, they said, go, get out. And all the Israelites, they had to leave in haste. 
And so in order to have bread, you couldn't make bread that had to sit and wait and rise. You had to have unleavened bread where you could take it quickly. But I noticed something that as the Israelites were leaving, they received instructions. And I want you to see the instructions that God gave them. It says this, these are your instructions for eating this meal. Be fully dressed, wear your sandals, carry your walking stick in your hand, eat the meal with urgency for this is the Lord's Passover. And the truth is for Christians in this room, we have the same instructions that our mission is urgent that our mission to glorify God with all that we have, to walk into our neighborhoods, to walk out in these hallways, that when we see a need, we meet a need. When we see where there's no hope, we tell them about hope, that we are to carry our walking sticks and we are to walk with urgency, carrying a mission close to our heart, that when we come in remembrance of him, it reminds us of the mission that we are to be focused on. So my prayer for all of us today is, are you ready to walk out of this room changed forever? for the mission that God has for you. I'm going to pray and then we're going to sing one last song together before Pastor Stephen has some announcements for us. But would you join with me as we pray? Heavenly Father, thank you so much for this time together today. And as we prepare our hearts to worship you, God, thank you for this sacrifice. Thank you for this time of communion where we remember the sacrifice that you freely gave. May it truly change our hearts today forevermore. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen. Thanks so much for listening to today's podcast. If you would like more information about the ministries at Ocean View, or if you'd like to speak to someone directly, you can visit our website at www.ovbc.org. Thanks again for listening. Have a great day.